So, we are in the middle of this uh, series called Headlines. Uh, and what we're doing is we're taking a look at statements from the Bible made by Jesus or about Jesus, and we're asking this question. Great, that's in the Bible, fine. What does that mean to my life today? In my current situation in 2017, what does that state, how does that statement fit into my life today, right? And next week is our, actually our final week of headlines, so don't miss that. Then on May 28th, we are kicking off our summer Real to Real series where we take movies and turn them into messages, right? And so you do not want to miss that. If you're out of town on, uh, on Memorial Day weekend, sucks for you, right? Because it's going to be awesome. The first movie we're going to do is Hidden Figures. If you haven't seen that movie, uh, it's based on a true story from the 1960s. Go to Redbox, go to somewhere and watch it before next Sunday or, or before the 28th. It's going to be awesome. So uh, all summer long as you're in town, Real to Real is a great opportunity to bring someone and, and invite someone. We've got a, a stacked uh, group of movies that we're going to be teaching through this summer, so please don't miss it. So today's headline is kind of unique because it's one of seven I am statements that Jesus made during his time on earth. And actually, uh, in the four biographies of Jesus, otherwise known as the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of John uh, uh, covers or, or shares all of these I am statements, including the one that we're going to talk about today. And, uh, and, and today's statement, it's, the headline for today is, is hard, it's difficult, but it's also encouraging and inspiring. And so what I want to do is I want to read the first key verse, the actual headline from Jesus today. Then we're going to rewind and back up and look at an amazing, powerful story that, that the Bible tells us immediately preceding the headline that Jesus says. And we're going to tie it together and you're going to see that it's not a coincidence that Jesus made this headline statement immediately following the story that we're going to read. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay, so let's, let's kick it off. John chapter 8, verse 12. This is Jesus talking, and this is what the Bible says. So Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. Now here's a premise and a promise, right? An if-then statement. If you follow me, Jesus talking, not Steve Ferris. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The headline for today from Jesus is I am am the light of the world. Now, let's, uh, let's just get honest and real for a minute. Uh, how many of you guys were scared of the dark as, as a little kid? Okay. How many of you guys are still, some of you are liars. Okay. We'll get to that in a minute. Okay. How many of you guys are still scared of the dark? How many of you guys do that deal where when you're about to walk into a dark room, you do the arm around the corner first and hit the light before you walk in? Then you're afraid of the dark. Hello, right? Um, isn't it amazing, don't miss this, isn't it amazing how little light it takes to make a huge difference in a dark place? Huge, right? So, so when I was growing up, the nightlight was critical because I was, I was scared of everything as a kid. Let me just be honest with you, but I was really afraid of the dark. And I had a little nightlight that was in the shape of a Pittsburgh Steelers football helmet, right? Because I loved the Steelers when I was a kid. And from time to time, my mom would try to get me to either the bulb was burned out in the nightlight or something, and she would try to get me to use the closet light 
as the nightlight. So she was like, I'll just crack the closet light and that can be your nightlight. And of course, you guys that know, you can't do that because everyone knows that monsters live in two places, right? In the closet and under the bed. So it doesn't matter if the light's on or not, mom. If you crack the door, monsters can get out of the closet. Closet door must stay shut all night long so that no monsters get out. I don't care if the light's on or not, right? Uh, and by the way, that's why, like a roller coaster, you know, when you're riding a roller coaster, they say, keep all your limbs inside, you know, when you're riding this. That's why, when you're a little kid, you keep all limbs inside the perimeter of your mattress. Because if you hang a limb over, the monster under your bed will grab you and suck you under to the abyss, right? Did anyone else have these problems as a kid? Or adult? Anyway, so... Um, so so that's why we need a light, night light, because even this small light makes a huge difference in a dark room, doesn't it, right? So let me, let me uh, bring this home. On my trip this week, uh, many of you know that um, I went camping for this trip, and that's a bucket filler for me, whether you like it or not. I love camping. Um, I loved camping by myself this week. But something else that many of you know about me is I have the bladder of a small kitten, right? I have to pee all the time, okay? And so uh, it's very rare that at least one time, that not at least one time during the night do I have to get up and tinkle in the middle of the night, right? And so camping is no different. I SUV camped this time. If you've never done it, you got to try it. I wouldn't try it with a family, but solo SUV camping is great. But one night in the middle of the night, three o'clock in the morning, I had to go to the bathroom. And my flashlight was in the car, but I'm sleepy. You know how that is. You're kind of in a daze. And, and all I got to think is I got to relieve myself. That's all I could think about. And I didn't take time to find my flashlight. And so I step out of the, the SUV. And, and, you know, when you're camping, men, there is a certain, uh, you know, perimeter that you have to extend before you tinkle around where you're sleeping, right? And so I knew I had to go, you know, 15 feet or so away from the SUV to, to take care of business. And because I didn't have my light and because I'm sleepy and groggy, I forgot about the fact that each of these campsites, the little pad where you back your car or camper in, they have these little cable fences, right? I mean, it's only this high off the ground, right? But it's perfect for tripping dudes in the middle of the night that need to tinkle, right? And so I step out of the car, I take like four steps, complete face plant, and as I face planted, I realized I wasn't the only one who thought that was a good place to relieve themselves because before I did it, a dog did it, and I'm not talking about a Yorkie here, okay? We're talking about Great Dane or horse, right? And I fall flat, my elbow, my whole arm, in the dog poop, in the middle of the night. I'm camping. I can't run to the restroom and just wash myself off, right? And so, so here's the moral of that story as you judge me um, sinfully right now. Um, a little bit of light makes a big difference in a dark place, and I'm going to come back to this later. A little bit of light can keep you from falling face first into dog poop, right? It can. It can, and we'll come back to that. Now, um, so you may have heard this verse from John 8, chapter, uh, verse 12, uh, many, many, many times. I am the light of the world. You've probably heard that since you were a kid if you grew up in church. But what's powerful about what we're going to talk about today is what took place immediately preceding 
Jesus making that statement. And, and earlier in, in chapter 8 of the book of John, we see the story of the woman caught in adultery. And I know what you're thinking, ladies. You're teaching on that on Mother's Day, right? The adulterous woman on Mother's Day. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Just hang on. Don't judge me yet. Just listen to the end of the story. You're going to see the power from this dark moment that this woman finds herself in. In fact, that's not true. The darkest moment of her life and how Jesus sheds light on that moment. So what we're going to do on this Mother's Day is I'm going to break this story into three parts. Now, when you go to seminary, the experts on teaching teach you, hey, when you do a sermon, do three points and make them all start with the same letter. It's called alliteration, okay? You, you probably have noticed by now I failed that seminary class because I never do that, right? I'm all over the map. I'm, I just say whatever, you know, came to my heart while I was studying. But today, as a gift for Mother's Day, we are breaking this story into three parts, and they all start with L. Are you amazed or what? Okay, some of you are like, I didn't even know that, but thanks. Okay, so, so we're going to break it into three parts. The law, the love, and the light. Okay, so, so the first thing you need to know about law, and, and this goes with biblical law or American law, the law reveals our guilt. Okay, and we're going we're gonna to read this and then we'll come back and break it down. But you need to know the law is there to remind us that we're guilty when we break the law. So pick it up in verse 2, John chapter 8. We're going to read this story about this woman. So it, we pick it up right here. But early the next morning, he, he, meaning Jesus, was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered. Remember, everywhere Jesus went, large crowds followed him to see what he was going to do next, to see what he was going to say next. So a crowd gathers, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, church leaders, brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, and they put her in front of the crowd. Time out. I don't want us to breeze over this moment and miss the magnitude of the darkness that this woman finds herself in in this story. Okay, first of all, you need to know this. In 2017... If you're caught in adultery, and, and in case you don't know, adultery is having sexual relations with someone that's not your spouse outside of marriage, and this woman's caught in the act. Can you imagine being caught in the act today in 2017? And while you have that image of how humiliating and embarrassing that would be, now let's go back to Jesus' day, this time in history, when adultery was one of the two or three greatest sins anyone could commit. And to show you the double standard here, we don't see anything about the man in this story. We don't know what happened to him. Most likely, because of culture at that time, he sent on his way to live his life regularly. But the woman is dragged in front of everyone and made a spectacle of, right? And you need to know that it, the law... The law, and we're going to see this in a minute in this story, the law said if a woman is caught in the act of adultery, the sentence is murder. So let's pick it up in verse 4 and we'll keep reading. Teacher, they said. These are the religious leaders who just brought this woman. She's probably at least half naked, if not fully naked. Wherever they dragged her out, a house, bushes, wherever they found her, they have now thrown her in front of this huge crowd and in front of Jesus, and this is what they say to him. Teacher. This woman was caught in the act of adultery. Here it is. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Now, um, if, if we weren't all family here, I would probably need to clarify because we didn't 
we all live in Colorado, that when they say stone her, they mean with like rocks, okay? Like big rocks. Um, and I'm not talking about little pebbles, but each, each person that was a part of the stoning party, rock party, uh, they, they would have a rock, right? And they would literally throw rocks at the person who broke the law until that person was dead. They would literally beat their head in with rocks, right? So what, what's going on here is, verse 6, these religious leaders, they were trying to trap Jesus into saying something that they could use against him later. So they're hoping to use this woman who is clearly breaking Jewish law. No bones about it, right? It's one of the big ten. It's in the Ten Commandments. It's, it's a big one, right? And they have thrown her in here, and they're saying to Jesus in front of all these people, the law says she's guilty, and she should be stoned to death. What do you say, Jesus? Right? Now, let, let's just pause there, because before we go any further, we need to see how this situation applies to us, because when we're not careful, sometimes we read stories in Scripture, and we go, man, poor girl, or we go, yeah, that's right, she deserved that, or fill in the blank for whatever feelings you have. You can't miss the fact that this story of this woman caught in adultery and thrown naked before Jesus in a huge, huge crowd is just not her story, it's your story. It's our story. It's my story. This, this passage is about you today. It's not just some fairy tale uh, statement from 2,000 years ago where we go, wow, that, that girl really messed up. It's your story, and, and you, we'll look at how, right? So here's this woman in the darkest moment of her life, and the law says don't commit adultery. If you do, you'll be stoned to death, right? And the law reveals, I mean, like, like sometimes we're good at going, it wasn't my fault, or the only reason I did that is because fill in the blank. Well, this woman had no recourse. She was caught in the act, right? Sometimes, uh, you know, when we get pulled over for speeding and the, the cop says, you know, I, I clocked you at so-and-so, what we want to say is, something must be wrong with your radar, sir, or whatever, you know, and, and we have some excuse. This woman had no excuse. She was guilty under the law. Here's what that means to us today. Without Jesus, if Jesus doesn't come and die on the cross to become our substitute, we are sinful people in the eyes of God, and we are not good. We are guilty. That's truth. The law reveals our guilt. Now, it's not popular for preachers today to say you are not good because most people in their hearts or in their minds right now, they're going, you know what? I'm a good person. I have a good heart. Like, don't judge me like that. I have a good heart. And actually, the Bible says that your heart is, is deceitful above all else. That's what the Bible says about our hearts. So we, we are not good people. And, and, and before you, you kind of bow your chest out and, and turn me off for the day because you're going, look, dude, back off. I am a good person. Let's just test it out for a minute, okay? We're going to play a little game called Raise Your Hand If, okay? So here we go, okay? The first one's easy, all right? Raise your hand if you have ever told a lie. Raise your hand, okay? Now, Keep them up, uh, keep them up, keep me up. This, this is amazing, okay? I have never been in a room with this many liars at one time, okay? But keep them up, look around. Find the people that aren't raising their hands, point at them and say, liar, liar, pants on freaking fire, because you've all told a lie, okay? Put your hands down, okay? So that one's easy, right? That one's pretty harmless because we know everybody else is in the same boat. Let's raise the stakes a little bit. 
Raise your hand if you have ever stolen something. And I'm raising my hand, okay? I am raising my hand. And you guys that aren't raising your hand, you're probably a liar again because some of you steal bridge fellowship pens every single Sunday, okay? Some of you write your tithe check with a stolen pen, okay? So raise your hand if you have ever stolen anything, okay? All right, put them down. Now this next one, I'm just warning you, it's... It's uh, touchy, okay? So I don't mind if you kind of give me a, okay, or just a nod, okay? That, I'll count that, okay? Raise your hand if you have ever looked at another person lustfully. Raise your hand, okay? Wow, okay? <laughs> I, I actually, I, I spoke to a group of teenagers this week, and I taught this message, and when I did that right there, one, one like high school senior dude in the back went like this. <laughs> He's like, glory to God, hallelujah, right? Kind of deal. So, so here's the reason I use the lustfully one, because in Scripture, Jesus says, when you look at another person lustfully, you commit adultery with them. It's not her story, it's your story. It's my story. It's our story. So basically what I'm saying today is, I am teaching today to a bunch of lying, stealing adulterers, okay? That's the truth. Now, here's the deal. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, God's Word makes it very clear where we all stand. It says this, For everyone, who? Everybody. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glory and standard. In other words, we are all guilty. And the reason that's important is this next statement you're going to see on the screen. The reason it's important to see that we're guilty is because until you see yourself as a sinner, you won't see your need for a Savior. We have to see our brokenness before we start to understand our need for a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you never see yourself as broken or as a sinner, you'll go through life thinking you don't need Jesus. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. Once we realize the darkness of our own hearts, the light, Jesus Christ, begins to sound like a good option. Because after all, who wants to live in the dark when you could walk in the light? Right? So, part one, the law reveals our guilt. Second part is much more encouraging, and you don't have to raise your hand, okay? So, law reveals our guilt, love reveals God's grace, and that's the good news. That's literally the good news, right? Pick it up in verse 6, first part of verse 6 of John chapter 8. So remember, they, they bring this woman caught in the act of adultery, probably half naked or fully naked. They throw her in there. She thinks, in her mind, I'm busted, today's the day I die. Like, I know the law. The law says if, if I'm caught in adultery, I'm going to be put to death. Today's my day. They're going to stone me to death. They're going to throw rocks at me. And so, remember, they say, hey, Jesus, right? Jesus, great teacher. This woman, we found her. She was caught red-handed. Look, she's still naked. What do you say we do with her? The law of Moses says we put her to death. What do you say? And verse 6 is Jesus' response. Here's what he does. So it says... But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, the religious leaders. So he stood up again and said, okay, fine. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then the Bible says, verse 8, he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. Now, we don't exactly know. Nobody, nobody was there that's alive today, right? Nobody's a first-hand witness to this account. But 
theologians, some really smart biblical scholars believe that there's a possibility that what Jesus wrote when he stooped down on the ground and wrote in the dirt is he was writing out the sins of all the religious leaders who were judging this woman. Right? And so keep reading. When the accusers heard this or saw Jesus writing in the dirt, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. I don't think it's on accident that John records that the oldest left first. And I think there's a couple of reasons that could be. First of all, the older you are, the wiser you are. And maybe the older guys knew, all right, we've pushed this envelope too far. It's time to leave, right? And the older guys slipped away. It could be that the older you are, the more sins you have in the bank, right? And they're like, okay, I'm getting out of here before he writes that one down, right? But Regardless, the sin is irrelevant. The fact of the matter is, one by one, the accusers of this woman, the people who wanted to judge her and put her to death, they slipped away until Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Verse 10. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No one, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. Now here's why this part of the story is so encouraging and so critical for us to grasp a hold of today. This part of the story is important because people all over this room today, people watching on the internet today, you live every day or most days of your life under the weight of condemnation. You're allowing the enemy to tell you that you are what you've done in the past. You are the sin that keeps tripping you up over and over again. You'll never be what God wants you to be. And if you think God will ever use you for great stuff, you're crazy because of all the mistakes that you've made. Listen to me today. That's what Satan does. He's the accuser. He's the condemner. And when Jesus came to die on the cross, he wiped all that out with grace. No condemnation for anyone who is in Christ Jesus. Revelation 12 says Satan is the accuser. Jesus came to wipe out the accusations and say, I don't condemn you either. You, not a woman in a story in John chapter 8. I don't condemn you in 2017 for what you're going through, for what keeps messing you up over and over again, for, for the selfishness, for the arrogance, for the pride, for the anger, for the sharp tongue, whatever... Whatever your fill-in-the-blank is, maybe it's not adultery, whatever your sin is, Jesus says, no condemnation here. Go and sin no more. So one of the reasons I love this story about the adulterous woman is because it sets us free from this prison of self-condemnation. If you're taking pictures of the screens today, this is one worth taking. Look at this. I don't care what you've been told in the past. I don't care what you've told yourself even this morning while you're getting ready to come here. You are not what others say you are. You are not what you've done in the past. You are who God says you are, and God says those who are in Christ Jesus are forgiven and free. That's who you are. That's the message from John chapter 8 today. You are not the sin that you've committed. Even if it's a sin that you keep falling for over and over again and the accuser gets in your head and goes, see, you'll never amount to anything. Right beside that, Jesus is saying, don't listen to the accuser because I'm the one who defeated death and sin and I'm telling you, I don't condemn you. 
Can you picture for just one second that scene in, in John chapter 8, verse 11, when he says those words to this woman? Because the odds are, now I, I'm reading between the lines here, I'm tr- totally making this up, but the odds are this is not the first time this woman committed adultery. It's the time she got caught, right? It, odds are, okay? Can you imagine what goes through her heart and mind when she hears those words from Jesus? Hey, where'd all your accusers go? Doesn't even one of them condemn you now? I don't either. You're good with me, is what he's saying, right? Now, picture those same words, but Jesus saying them to you. He's saying them to you. That's why this story's in the Bible. It's so that Jesus can get your attention on a Sunday morning, Mother's Day 2017, and go, all that condemnation you've been living under, all those days that you beat yourself up over and over again, Jesus says, look at me. No condemnation here. It's paid for. It's under the blood. Fresh start, do over. You're like, well, what if I keep doing it over and over again? His mercies are new every single morning. Sometimes, if needed, every hour. Right? Because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of his love and grace, love reveals God's grace, you and I have the opportunity to live life in the light and say goodbye to the darkness forever. Jesus, don't miss this, please. Jesus let you off the hook. So let yourself off the hook. That's why he came. That's why he died for you. That's why he he did. Listen, was she guilty? Was she guilty? Yeah. She was guilty, caught red-handed. There's no, there's no talking your way out of it. She was guilty. Did she deserve punishment? Yes. Here's the point of grace. God's love for you and what Jesus did on the cross for you is bigger than any sin you have committed or ever will commit. That's grace. Look at this statement on the screen. Here's where this comes from. As you just kind of let that statement settle, I'll read it in a minute. At the end of verse 11, after Jesus says, no condemnation here, he says another statement. He says, go and sin no more. And that's really important. And it's, it's not a threat. He's not going, you better not do this again. That's not what Jesus is doing in this moment. He's, he's saying this. Look, it doesn't have to be this way anymore. Go and sin no more. You don't have to settle for this kind of life anymore because there is a better way, and that better way is me. We say this all the time around here, and this is why these words, go and sin no more, are so important. We want the Bridge Fellowship to be a place where it is okay to not be okay, but it is not okay to stay not okay. And sometimes you go through seasons where you're really okay and then you're really not okay. That's what the body of Christ is for. That's what the church is for, to walk you through that. But it's not okay to say, well, I'm a screw-up, it's just who I am. That's not who you are. Forgiven and free is who you are. And just like Jesus said to this lady all those years ago, in the darkest moment of her life, he's saying the same thing to you. You don't have to settle for life like this anymore. There is a better way. Law reveals our guilt. Love reveals our grace. And then as we close, the light reveals 
our hope. I love that word, hope. And I think one of the reasons I love it, and I know some of you can relate to this as you sit right here this morning, I think one of the reasons I love that word hope is because there have been many seasons of my life where I felt like I didn't have any. And maybe, maybe you're there today. Maybe you're walking in that season right now. And so it's not a coincidence that you're here this morning to hear God's word tell you the light. And who's the light? Jesus is our hope. And this brings us back to the original statement. John 8 verse 12 says this. Im immediately following, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. Like the very next words Jesus says are, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, in other words, if you leave your life of adultery or fill in the blank and follow me, you don't have to walk in darkness anymore. In fact, you don't even have to clean up all the darkness before you follow me. You follow me, and I help clean up the darkness. You will have the life that leads to light. That's me. And, and listen, it's one thing for Jesus to make that statement generally, I am the light of the world. But at the end of verse 11, when he says those words, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more, at that moment, in that moment in history for this woman, Jesus was no longer just the light of the world. He became the light of her world. And that's what he wants to do for you and for me. And yes, sometimes it has to happen on the hour or every single day for weeks at a time or whatever season you're going through. But I'm telling you, it works the same way for us. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you've done, whatever area you keep making mistakes in, how, no matter how selfish you've been, no matter how many times you mess up, there is hope in Jesus. And he's standing right here today, and he's saying, no condemnation here. The plan is still intact. Because of what I did on the cross, you have hope. And that hope Jesus giving us a brand new life, that hope is what we get when we hand over the keys of our life to Jesus Christ. Band, you guys can come on up. As they're coming and we close today, Mother's Day today is not just a special day because it's Mother's Day. Um, you guys that are regulars know that for my daughter Allie's 18th birthday, uh, me and her and her sister who was home visiting for Easter at the time, we all went and got tattoos. And um, if you judge me, fine, pray for me. Um, read Revelation 19. When Jesus comes back, he's going to have a tattoo. So um, anyway, just telling you, read it, Revelation 19. Don't take my word for it. Beside the point. The important thing is what this tattoo says. And if you weren't here the day that I shared it, it says the 14th day of May, 1984. And that's the day that Steve Ferris, an angry, lonely, empty teenager, handed over the keys of my life to Jesus Christ. It was my redemption day. It was my no condemnation day. And what's amazing about me getting to share this story with you today is that in the 33 years that I have been a believer, 
that I have been tattooed by Jesus' grace on my heart. I have never had the opportunity to preach on my birthday, on my spiritual birthday. And so you're going, now I know why he was so fired up today. Whatever. The point is, on that day, 33 years ago, I traded emptiness, anger, and loneliness for peace, hope, and joy. And it doesn't mean that I haven't run back to sin over the last 33 years. Of course I have. But every time I do, the same Jesus that stood before this woman in John chapter 8 stands by my side and goes, no condemnation here. I'm the light of the world. Follow me and you'll never have to walk in darkness again. In other words, there is a better way. Let's pray. I know I don't know everyone personally here today, and I, I don't know what's going on in your life or what your story is, but here's something I feel very confident in saying this morning as we close. There's probably not one person within the sound of my voice right now that couldn't use some hope and grace. And in this moment, Jesus is standing over you just like he stood over the woman in John chapter 8. And he's saying, I don't condemn you either. And because of what I did on the cross, you can rise out of your darkness and live in the light. That is the hope that comes with turning the keys over to Jesus Christ, saying, you be the boss. I've been trying to do this my way long enough. You lead now, Jesus. And that's what I did 33 years ago. And maybe you're sitting here today and today's your day. When you go, I'm handing over the keys of my life to Jesus Christ. In, in just a few minutes, when the band's done with the, this last song, we're going to go outside and we're going to celebrate that in believer's baptism. And that's why we dunk people here at the bridge is because it represents dying to the old life just like Jesus died on the cross, being buried under the water. And when you come back out of that water, it's, it represents the resurrection, the new life that you're given because of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And so if today's your day and you want to celebrate that in baptism, man, we got all the stuff you need. If, if today's your day when you hand over the keys and you still got questions, find one of our team, find somebody with a blue shirt on, ask one of our staff, hey, I got more questions. Can you help walk me through this? May 14th, 1984 is absolutely the best decision I ever made in my life. It changed me forever. Not perfect, but it changed me. It gave me peace, hope, and joy. God, thank you for the truth of your word. But also, Jesus, thank you that in our darkest moments, you are there to shed light and be the light show us a better way. Speak to hearts today, God. Thank you for every person that you brought into this place today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.